Hello and welcome to Horror Culture Show, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we, uh, looks like we're taking it in turns with good and bad representation because we had Nightbreed first, that was really great representation for LGBT cinema. Uh, of course it's Pride Month, if anyone isn't aware by now. Uh, last week we had The Fan, which was uh, yeah, iffy representation. Mm-hmm. And this week we have great representation again, like really, really fucking good representation. We have Hellbent. Yes. Released in 2004, directed by Paul Everidge, and made on an unknown budget, but it did make $183,000 uh, at the box office. Yeah. Well, this is, this is a, a gay film. Yeah. I'm assuming the filmmaker's gay. I assume so. Uh, the studio that made it is famous for gay films. Mm-hmm. Low-budget, gay, independent cinema. Um, well, all the characters are gay, I'm assuming yeah. The, yeah. the actors are. Mm-hmm. Or from around that circle, you, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, this, this is a gay film and you're going to ask in a second what makes this gay <laughs> I, I am so, so save it up save it up um it, what i'm ask first is what makes this stand out now i mean i have my answer i'm sure you have your answer sis, but when you look at films like this i mean you've seen the trailers on the dvd for other similar films they all kind of pass by people don't mention them um you know People know they exist, but they don't rave about them. You don't see people recommending them. Uh, like, the guy who made Final Scream in 666, Creepy Carry. What's his name? Uh, uh, he's made loads. Dakota. Yeah, um, Dakota. David Dakota? David Dakota. Yeah. If that's so how you pronounce it. Yeah, he, he's made a living of just releasing gay film after gay film after gay film after gay film, year after year. They just go under the radar, rightfully so with some of them. I watched one and it is literally just a guy dry humping a bed for an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> but he got his start in, in horror, but very yeah. much nude, cutie films, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, many of his films starring Linnea Quigley yeah. or Brink Stevens. It's, or... it's, always, been, it's always been very uh, saucy with him. It's always been more on the, yeah. you know... Sex sales. Yeah. This... Is a standout, how Ben, because people recommend this film. People watch this film. People know it exists. Um, load, you know, um, I believe it was uh, Attack of the Queer Wolf. They spoke about it. Once Upon a Screen spoke about it. You know, so it, it's nice that this one actually gets the recognition it deserves. Because, I mean, we'll start by saying this is a good film. Like, it is a good film for it's what it is. It's a fun film, you you know. And I've said this many times on this podcast. You know, We're not talking about great masterpieces of foreign cinema. This ain't Fellini we're talking about. This is a slasher film. Yeah. In terms of slasher films, this is fun. It's yeah. good. It, it You know, it, it's enjoyable, mm. which is sometimes you sit down and you just want to enjoy a film. You just want a fun time, you know, a, a silly time. It's mm. a very silly film. And it, it, that's what you get with this. Yeah. So a bit of trivia, uh, Meat Locker, the fetish club in the film, is actually a church. Um, filming ran late on one Saturday night and the crew had to run around removing the rubber corpses quickly before Sunday service. <laughs> Uh, the title, <laughs> the title selected for the film was from an online na- uh, movie name contest. Okay. <laughs> and some of the other submissions included Twenty Eight Gays Later, Boy Meets Knife, and my personal favourite, Queer Eye for the Dead Guy. There we go, lovely. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, but they they stuck with Halbent. I mean, it is the best out of the four. Yeah, yeah. Um, I could see people accidentally watching or buying. Yeah, this. yeah. Um, the 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 poster doesn't give the gay. No, away. no. And once you realise it is a gay film, it makes the name even better. Yeah, yeah. Um, Texas Terry, the redhead woman in the tattoo shop, sings the main title song, 
which has the following lyrics. <laughs> no joke. There's a literally... It's, that's exactly what it sounds like. what she's singing. And then whenever, when you can understand, she sounds like she's trying to go with uh, Brody Dow from The Distillers. Mm. Uh, the director originally intended to shoot the murders without blood. He wanted this as a bloodless film. Oh. Which is quite interesting, really. I don't know why you'd want to make a slash film without blood. That was like every director's worst nightmare in the 80s. The, the thing is, if you're going to go for bloodless, you have to be as scary as Halloween. The yeah. original Halloween. Yeah. If, if you're not going to be that... If you're not going to take it that seriously, yeah. and if you're not going to um, do it properly... Mm-hmm. Um, a la the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Halloween, then you know I want to see some blood. I want to yeah. I want to see some guts. If you're gonna do a comedy, really, it's a comedy. Just, yeah. You know, I laughed out loud yeah. at a few bits. If you're gonna do a comedy, I want it to be over the top. I want it to be trauma esque. Yeah. I I I don't want subtle, you know, humor, <laughs> in a slasher film. Yeah. And I'm glad you included the blood because I mean there's some there's some great moments of goriness and cause, I mean there isn't a budget on here but just look at the film you know it's low budget <laughs> yeah. you know it's a low budget film but they do so well for what they've got and I think that's another thing that makes it stand out because I mean you find a low budget film like this you normally end up with something like Vampire Killer Barbies yeah uh, filming took over two years started a few weeks after the plot was pitched. And uh, some of the B-roll footage was filmed at the West Hollywood Halloween Carnival. And they filmed that without knowing the story. So there's bits randomly inserted where they didn't even know what the story was. So I assume um, Toby's death, that could have been shot out of context. Yeah. Um, And obviously the party scenes and stuff like that, you know, the the club and stuff. Uh, The filming was actually scattered over weeks and shot out of order in general anyway. Um, which caused continu- continuity errors, which includes inconsistent hair length and fluctuating weight. Yeah, <laughs> that is true, actually. I don't know, I can't say I noticed. I think Chaz has the fluctuating okay. waistline. Um, uh, <laughs> well, it's on display a lot. So it, well, it's, yeah, it's everybody's not, on display. Yeah, everyone's film, even on the display killer. in this film. Um, executive producer Joseph Wolf made Nightmare on Elm Street... And Halloween 2 and 3, but uh, falsely advertised on the DVD cover as Halloween, but it's Halloween 2 and 3. <laughs> yeah, the better received sequels, all, all the same, Halloween 2 especially. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Produ- Specifically Halloween e- e- 2. Fuck you. Executive producer <laughs> of Nightmare on Elm Street made this film. Well, did he do Freddy's Dead? Uh, I, Freddy's Revenge? I think he just did the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so... Here's an interesting thing here, and this is quite interesting with some news that's been brought up in the media this week about uh, the the film industry and diversity and such, and and obviously the Oscars in specific in the news, but um, for this film, the director wanted non-white actors, He, he wanted diversity within this film, but none of them would take the role. Now, because they didn't want to start in a gay film, now to me, that just says, you know, it's hard enough for people of colour to get a role within a film back in those days, especially a lead role and stuff. But then if they were to go and star in a film that's also a gay film, someone that was also frowned upon, upon during those days, their career would have been fucked. Well, you get typecast. Yeah. And, and, and it continues now, you know. And um, I think maybe all of us have, have a little bit been um, guilty of this, particularly in the past. You, you watch a film um, with gay characters mm. and you think, oh, was he a gay actor? Yeah. And, you know, you Google it, you IMDb it, you, you know, all that business. And when you realise that it's not a gay mm. actor, it's a straight actor playing a gay part, mm. you know, if you hadn't done your research, then that's how they get typecast. Yeah, yeah. That's oh. true. But, I mean, do you agree that it might also be to do with the fact of diversity? And oh, absolutely. The, you know, the fact that it's it's a struggle for non-white actors to get work anyway. Yeah, but, uh, so you imagine how but difficult then, it is yes, for... Yes, and then to be typecast into... Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, not, That's what I'm so not only are you typecast as uh, the token um, black character, mm. for example, yeah. you are then typecast as the token gay black character mm. 
Now, how many films have you watched with a token gay black character? Yeah, exactly. There ain't exactly. many, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So for a struggling actor, if you're offered a job in a low-budget film that potentially isn't going to look too great on your IMDb page, mm-hmm. let, let's be honest yeah. here, yeah. Y- you ain't going to take it, y- you know? Mm-hmm. If it was nowadays, it'd be completely different. I mean, you know, I think the fact that this film as well, it when it was released in 2004, I was, I was proper into horror films back then, I didn't hear a thing about this. I didn't know this existed until no, this year. No. And the fact that it's now got a court following this year says it all. It, you know, the, the acceptance that people enjoy this now. This is the sort of film that horror fans are looking for, especially within the LGBT community. I would, I would hope so. And I would hope that if somebody went to a studio, that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would like to hope mm. that if somebody went to a studio and said, I've got this cracking script, mm. it's a gay slasher film... Mm. A studio, a proper studio, mm-hmm. would say, we're going to put some money into this. Yeah. yeah. We ain't going to give it, you know, a, a big blockbuster Avengers Endgame style mm. release. But, you know, we're going to invest a bit into yeah. this. I'd like to think that would happen. Yeah. You know, is rose-coloured glasses, maybe. You know, am I, am I, is it a pipe dream, potentially? But... Maybe we could get to I that I think we're at that stage. I mean, look at Christopher Landon. He's been getting big picture deals now since Paranormal Activity, the March ones, which was 2012 or 13. Um, and then look at, you know, how well he did with Happy Death Day. He, he got enough money to do a sequel for it. And this is Universal. This is Universal releasing his films by this gay director. But and it's let's, not yeah. a gay film. But can you say that? I mean, but look at the tones in it. It is. It's clearly directed towards a gay audience. It's a camp film. Yeah, I but it's it's, it's got film. the same tones as Halbert. But it's not. It's not the same as if you it's say. Not, it's if you have a fully here, gay cat. Yeah. yeah. Here is a horror film. This is like a Halbert, gay yeah. horror film. It concerns pretty much wholly gay characters. Mm. It deals with gay themes. It's not just for a gay audience, yeah. but for a wider audience. Yeah. No, I agree. What, what we I mean might is... not be at that point yeah. just now. Uh, no, I completely agree. What I mean is with Christopher Landon, it's the progress we need. It's still a step forward. Yeah. You know, he's still getting... He's got stuff in the pipeline that he's making. And, so, and I think the fact that a gay filmmaker who is making these camp films that he's pushing out, I think that's really good progress. Well, we said that about Clive Barker when we spoke about yeah. Nightbreed. Yeah. Anyone who creates, you know, part of themselves is in that creation. Yeah. Anyone who's creative, you know, it, it could be a story about green trolls on Mars. There's still going to be that mm. aspect of yourself and your personality within that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which is maybe why he's created those quite camp films, mm. you know. Yeah to appeal to an audience similar to himself. Yeah. Who, who, I haven't actually watched many interviews with him, but, you know, maybe his influences were those great camp horror I've films. I've listened to a few podcasts where he's been interviewed, and yeah, yeah, it, it was his influences. Like, um, I think he mentioned even stuff like Jennifer's Body. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's where all this camp stuff comes from. I mean, you, you are from around that time, and... But yeah, we, we've spoke about that previously in another episode. But yeah, yeah it, but my point is it's going in the right direction. And the fact that this is being noticed now is great. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad it's noticed because we would never have seen it if it wasn't. No. no. If it didn't get this resurgence all of a sudden. No, because we would have. We would have just... Say it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, and we were just flicking through the horror section. Mm. And the, the, literally the poster... No suggestion of it being an LGBTQ no. film. Uh, we would have just been like... Hellbent would have seen the, the, the knife near the eye yeah. and been like, oh, well, that looks like some cheap... Yeah, just any of her. Shit. Yeah. yeah, and just carried on. Yeah. So, I'm going to ask you, what makes it gay? <laughs> Remember, we only have 90 minutes. <laughs> okay, so we've been through this. But it is, it's a gay slasher film. It's... Um, 
But we're not kidding. Like, I mean, literally, there's... With... Uh, I think there's probably one straight character in the whole film. Yeah. <laughs> it deals with gay um, characters. It deals with gay themes. Um, it's... Yeah, it's got drag. It's got leather. Yeah. Every um, corner of LGBT is pretty much highlighted in this film. Every corner of maybe a little stereotypical... Or what people know. Yeah, yeah LGBT. Like, just because you're gay doesn't mean you enjoy being um, whipped in public. No, no. But it's... <laughs> in it's... your fung, you know. Yeah. Sometimes it is a little cliche, I think. And I, I will get on, maybe get on to it, about how sort of everybody in this... Every character in this film is super duper skinny oh, well I was going to say each character's different in her own right personality wise but but looks wise <laughs> yeah but come on <laughs> what have we noticed since we started Pride Month from watching specifically LGBT films every fucking lead character in an LGBT film if it's male they've got to be ripped and they've got to be white <laughs> but you know we talk about equality you know this you look at any of the Friday the 13th films, yeah. you know, the the women in those films are all yeah. skinny, yeah. bikini-clad, you know, um, big-breasted mm-hmm. ladies, you know. So, so maybe this is just playing on that stereotype. Yeah. You know, if it's good enough for the women in the straight films... Well, this is what I was going to get to. This is very much a satire. Yeah. It's very much trying to do what Scream did. It is meta. And, and I completely agree with you there. I think it is trying to say something about the way women were portrayed in films. Because let's face it, we are seeing the, the straight characters we see in every other slasher film, but we're just seeing them as gay men. Yeah. I, 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 would, li- I would like to think that that's what they were doing. I, I, I wholeheartedly would, would go... I would, I've not read it, but I would say that's definitely what I would I do. I would like to think that that's what they were doing. Because it works. It really works. Yeah. And it's basically saying, you know, men can be treated the same way that women are treated in slasher films. And gay men, um, well, it is gay men pretty much throughout the whole film. Uh, Gay men can act just as stupid as all those characters in mainstream slasher films, you know? So, is that all you've got to say about what makes it gay? Because I've got a feeling we're going to... Yeah. Find plenty of things as we go yeah. along. Um, so, plot is, Halloween in West Hollywood, two guys making out in a park are interrupted by a serial killer. Later that night, a group of kids decide to visit the site of the murder. So, we start off in the woods, and we've got some guys with balloons. They're making out in their car, as the plot suggested. Yeah. And uh, the balloons are getting in the way of one of the guys, and uh, he asks them to, the other guy to move on, but he says, no, they're for my mum. I don't know why he's taking balloons to his mum. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he figures out a way to uh, to solve it. So the balloon guy sticks his ass in the other guy's face and tells him to get to work. And then he hangs out the window whilst the other guy starts to give him a blowjob. Well, I didn't... I wasn't sure... If it was... <laughs> it's a real in-depth analysis here. But I was struggling to figure out if it was a blowy or he was just tickling him. Yeah, it was a weird reaction. It was. He seemed to really, really enjoy it, but then he was like, "Oh, you are ticklish," <laughs> and he still had his trousers on. So I'm not, I'm not sure if it was a blowy or not. Yeah, but it seemed to be um, an implied blowy. Well, a character says later on, "Were they doing it?" and uh, the other cat said, "Yes." So I assume Ma- that's ma- what's going yeah. on. Maybe it was, they didn't want to be too saucy about it. Or... Well, I mean, I thought he was going to get a rim job at first, so it was uh, definitely a, a change. Um, <laughs> so welcome to our professional podcast. <laughs> what? Well, you're gonna hear plenty. We're gonna hear way worse than that throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. This film is not subtle whatsoever. I don't know how it's a fifteen, <laughs> but um, a guy turns up in a devil mask, very much like the one in Screen Queens. I am convinced this inspired Screen Queens, and with the gay creators behind it, it wouldn't surprise me. If I'm right. Uh, so he turns up, he decapitates the guy hanging out the window, and he decapitates the other guy through the window. Yeah, so the, the balloon guy gets decapitated. 
the man, uh, the the other guy who's tickling or blowing him, uh, doesn't actually notice, does he? No. Until it's too late. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't actually notice no. somebody's just had their head cut off, uh, <laughs> not two meters away from him. <laughs> but you know, in the heat of the moment, maybe. <laughs> Well, he's in the slasher film, of course. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Uh, we get a title card and we get the theme song, which we mentioned earlier. Yes. And then uh, we are in the police station and we're introduced to Eddie, who is our lead character, our final girl. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not sure what Eddie is. He seems to be working for the police. I don't... His sister works for the police, for definite. Yeah. She's a, she's a police officer. And he talks to uh, the the captain at the police station, and he just asks him to hand out wanted signs, and he asks him if he could wear his uh, his father's gear. So his dad was a police officer, so seemingly he just wants to hand out these wanted signs. Well, he has access to all the computers. Yeah, so he's on the computer. He's printed off some um, mug shots. That his sister believes mm-hmm. he's going to go into the bathroom and masturbate over yeah. shortly. And seemingly he has only printed these mug shots off because he fancies the guys. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's brought up, can he wear his dad's old uniform, old police uniform? And it is an old police uniform. Mm-hmm. And it, it looks like something straight out of police academy. Um, but... As a Halloween costume? Yeah. Yeah, because I think he's going out... Obviously, he's going out anyway. Going part out of for plot. Halloween. Yeah. Um, but then he's asked to hand these wanted signs. Because they're not going to someone who actually work there to do that. But, but I, I, he does work there. Because later on, it's brought up that he wanted to be a, a police officer, a cop, out on patrol. Oh, on okay. The street, so maybe they're giving like him that. his dad. Yeah, so maybe they're giving him that. So he has, a, a, has some form oh, of yeah, desk yeah. job at yeah, the Yeah, that makes sense. Where, you know, he prints off mug shots. Yeah. Wags over them. Apparently so. It's official job description. Yeah. Uh, so but can I just say, just before we crack on, um, how it, it annoys me, and it, it's evident in this film as well, when people dress up for Halloween... But they dress up as if it's just a normal fancy dress. I <laughs> know, yeah. <laughs> it, it really pisses me off. Obviously, we're big horror buffs. We love Halloween. And if you're going to dress up for Halloween, don't do some shoddy fucking cop outfit. The killer in this film is the only person who actually wears a Halloween costume. Literally. <laughs> the only one that's dressed up for Halloween. But again, they're doing the whole thing that slash films do where... Girls pick the uh, most revealing Halloween costumes they can find. That's what they do. Yeah. All the men in this film are wearing slutty Halloween costumes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, Eddie gets in his police gear. We get a nice montage of that. He goes out and a drag queen says to him, Oh, I love an arse in blue. (laughs) (laughs) She does, yeah. He puts the wanted signs everywhere and he, he spots a shirtless guy going into a tattoo studio. And uh, he fancies him, so he follows him in, and uh, he has to be put up a wanted sign, but because uh, he's madly in love with this guy getting a tattoo done, he just can't get his words, oh, can I uh, put, oh, do you mind if I, and he just goes on for about five minutes, asking him to put this sign up. Meanwhile, this guy's getting his tattoo done, and we're watching blood go down his back. I don't know if that's meant to look sexy, but, I mean, not really. Uh, yeah. It was like in slow motion going down his back, like really sexualising this guy getting a tattoo done. Yeah, and then Eddie's like proper staring at <laughs> yeah. him. And then he gets wiped off and he's like, oh, back, back in the room. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so he leaves there and uh, he uh, he's put the wanted signs up now. And the guy from the tattoo studio is getting on his bike and they have a conversation, don't they? Yeah, so just before this, um, the, there's a... Very long shot of Eddie trying to throw rubbish in a bin. <laughs> um, he tries at least four or five times. Uh, and then Tattoo Dude pops up, whose name's Jake. Yeah, we should find out later on. Yeah, so Eddie's like, oh, this is my moment. I'm going to, st- you know, here's my opening line mm-hmm. for a good flirt. He chooses, two guys got killed last night. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, he tells them all about the murders. He does, actually. More than he's actually supposed to be telling as well. He tries to be professional at first, and he says, you know, I can't tell you too much. And as soon as he sees the guy's about to leave, he's like, okay, yeah, they're decapitated. And he, like, tells him all the details. Yeah, as if Jake's <laughs> going to turn around and be like, oh, yeah, that's sexy, let's go. <laughs> um, but Jake is good at throwing rubbish in the bin. Yeah. And ends on getting his rubbish in the bin. Yeah. Uh, the, the rubbish that Eddie missed with, uh, I don't think it was picked up. No. And if you listen to our Showgirls podcast, you know how <laughs> much that pisses me off. Pick up your rubbish, bitch. <laughs> so he catches a couple having sex in the car. And uh, we think it's a couple at first. The girl pops her head out. She's like, I'm 18. I can prove it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> But it wasn't just a girl in the there. The big reveal. There, it was a threesome. Hey. There was a guy in there. There was two guys in there. In there with Chaz. There was a guy, a girl, and Chaz, who is one of our supporting characters. Yeah. So he appears to be bisexual. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because he gets off with another girl. Later he on, does. Yeah. He? So, uh, yes. Yeah, so then there's uh, Toby, who enters the film in the most. Uh, what's the word? Dramatic way possible. Yeah. Yeah. I'd get, say that. We get yeah. some real heavy guitar music and uh, Toby is a drag queen. Well, dressed as a drag queen for that night for Halloween and just absolutely struts her way through to uh, the table where Chaz and Eddie are sitting in the diner. Yeah. In a cheap shake and go wig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is actually. This is, and we'll get on to it later because it's brought up, but this is very much a 2004 image of what drag was. Yeah. We live in very different times now. In the last mm-hmm. over 16 years, the, the, the art of drag has changed a lot, or how it's seen yeah. has changed a lot. Um, and we'll get on to that later. Uh, so Toby says, don't feel the tits, but you can feel the arse all you like. <laughs> And uh, then they're, they're at the diner to pick up Joey, who is dressed as some sort of leather cowboy with a flat cap. Yeah, so seemingly, Joey works in the cafe. Yeah. And he's round the back with the fresh produce getting changed into... Yeah, it's kind of like... A, a, it's kind of like a leather sports bra. Yeah. But, like diagonal so the nipples were always on show a flat cap uh, a proper Lisa Stansfield flat cap yeah. as well and what appeared to be a thong but then he was too embarrassed to wear a thong so he's put it over his jeans <laughs> um yeah yeah, yeah. um so it's a boot by the way yeah, it's a boot it, it does not look good at all so he's, <laughs> he's all dressed up uh, we see a quick clip of the killer sharpening his sickle because he kills people with a sickle in this film. And it is a sickle. We've established it's a sickle. Yes. Yes. Which is a rounded knife. Yes. Yes. So they drive out to the site of the murder and Eddie tells a story about the murders. It, do you know what? Eddie is so unprofessional. <laughs> like, seriously, so unprofessional. He's been there. He's seen the <laughs> photos from the crime scene. And all he's done since is gossip How do about it to, to complete strangers and decided it was a great idea to park nearby so they can have a good fucking nose at the crime scene <laughs> and crack jokes. He's a terrible cop. No wonder he's stuck behind a desk. <laughs> they say uh, it was probably some 40-year-old gay guy just came out of the closet looking for, his, uh, looking for hot guys like us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these guys have been to Rainbows on a Friday night. Yeah. And then... Uh, We're fucking fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Eddie, Eddie says, nah, it's always mother issues. Oh, Friday the 13th. N- wink, wink. No, like every serial killer. Oh, yeah, most every serial killer. Um, Friday the 13th. Gary. Um, psycho. Yeah. Um, mother issues. I don't know. Well, I mean, with these type of characters. Yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th. Uh, we get a fake jump scare where Joey somehow reaches his arm all the way around to the front of the car and grabs uh, grabs Toby's neck. <laughs> don't know how long his arm is. Fucking stretch Armstrong over here. Uh, they walk into the woods and they they all need a piss at the same time. Yes. They they all need a piss at the same time. So they all go in sync 
and uh, there's someone in the bushes. And it's uh, our serial killer of the film, the devil guy, who we soon find out uh, is called Devil Daddy. Devil Daddy. Um, So they notice him and they're like, oh my God, he's totally cruising us. Damn, Daddy's got some serious package. (laughs) He's wearing a mask, probably for a reason. Halloween's the only time he gets them. (laughs) So they just stand there in what is the best scene of this film. They just stand there for about five minutes straight. I'm just reading this fucking devil. Yeah, and and objectifying him. And then then we see the shadow of, spoiler, his knife. Yeah. But they believe it's not his knife. And that's a very curved penis. <laughs> if, if they think that's his dick, then... They don't just think that's his dick. They think that's his big daddy dick. Big daddy dick. <laughs> um, but very curved. So, <laughs> so he, pulls, he pulls the sickle out after being objectified and read by these four guys for five minutes. And uh, then they're like, oh, he's got a fucking knife. Kinky bastard. <laughs> <laughs> And they proceed to moon him. <laughs> yeah, they, they all get their asses out to him. And he disappears. Jumps out again. They all run to the carnival. And he even follows them there. Well, what do they say after he disappears? After they've, uh, after they've mooned him? Have you got it written down? Yeah. Four perfect asses. Who walks away from that? <laughs> Can I just say something? Which has occurred to me. Um... <laughs> Is this not like a horror sex in the city? Yeah, it pretty four much is. gay guys instead of four <laughs> women. The, the, the thing is, everybody always says that sex in the city is actually about four gay guys anyway. Yeah. So this is just a horror sex in the city. I was actually thinking that uh, Joey is dressed like Carrie. So, <laughs> Joey. <he's> jo- <laughs> okay, so Joey is Carrie. Yeah. Chaz Samantha. is Samantha. Yeah. Eddie is Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah. And then Joey is... Toby. Mi- uh, Toby is Miranda. That makes sense. Yeah. It does, yeah. That's, yeah. that's very fitting. I go. wouldn't be surprised if they based the characters off characters from Sex and the City. And Daddy Devil... Devil it's Daddy... Mr. Big. Is Mr. Big. Yeah, of course, because he's yeah. a fucking villain. Yeah, Mr. Big. So, um... <laughs> after that segue... <laughs> They, uh, they all run to the carnival, he follows them there, and uh, <laughs> at the bar, someone asks uh, someone, I, I didn't write down who said this, but it was my favourite line of dialogue, someone's like, what do you want to drink? And the other person's like, something with alcohol. That's a given. <laughs> but then it's only actually Joey that proceeds to drink. Yeah. And throughout the film, Joey is the only one you see actually drinking. Yeah. Joey loves a cocktail, and what's his first order? What was his first a flaming one? penis. <laughs> See, I mean, that's something Samantha would order, but he's still a carry. He's still a... Yeah, he's got he's the flat cap. He's not still be. a carry. Uh, so... <laughs> he becomes a white windy bitch yeah. later on as well. This is sex in the sea. Oh, my God. And he gets treated like shit by a guy, walks off, the guy comes back, and he takes the guy back. <gasps> and he does. Yeah, he is carry. This is literally sex in the city. <laughs> Yeah. So, Jake arrives, Mr. Tattoo from earlier. They go to uh, a leather S&M bar, and uh, Eddie puts up the courage to speak to Jake again. And he tells him all about his shooting, because he is... I really don't know how he's going about his flirting, but these are some really shitty methods. Yeah. But then Jake's very hot and cold. But Jake... Eddie really takes it out of context because when Jake's saying to him about shooting, you know what he's on about. He's not on about guns. But then Eddie starts talking about actually shooting guns. Yeah. What's <laughs> company? So Jake finally gives him his well, name. What would Charlotte say? Charlotte. That's true. That's true. That. Well, Jake finally. Jake is yeah. don't, totally Trey, by the way. He is. Hot and he cold. Is. Yeah. Absolutely. He gives his name. And uh, Eddie says to him, what, what made you finally give me your name? It's like, I wanted to see you shoot. Oh, and then we get Chris's new favourite song of all time. Oh, God. Yeah, so uh, there's a... <laughs> I don't... I can't figure out if this guy was, like, famous. He looked like someone that was famous. I suppose it's not, though. Uh, but a bald head, bearded, <laughs> big muscly singer. Um, 
topless, of course, like everyone else <laughs> in this fucking film, starts starts singing Porno di Giorno. <laughs> now, un- unless, you know, if you live under a rock and you're not familiar with the lyrics of Porno di Giorno, <laughs> it goes, Jack it, whack it. <laughs> spank it, wank it. <laughs> Oh, uh, there's, there's a motor bar. Oh, there they're is. all coming for the lever bar. They've heard uh, meat cleavers open. <laughs> so, it goes on a while, this song, as well. So just every so often you hear, jack it, whack it, spank it, wank it. Yeah, it goes on way longer than it should. But then he sings either porno show or put on a show. No, it's porno di giorno. Is that what he's actually singing? Yeah. Your porno di giorno. <laughs> <laughs> Sake. Well, that's the bike let's just try by. I'm sure he's been to that club many a times. Um, <laughs> it's my rendition. It's brought him out. And, uh, I'm sorry, I called it Meat Cleaver. It's actually called uh, Meat Locker. I do apologise to club in this film. Oh. Um, so, I didn't we get some sort of glitter gore chainsaw show that, that our uh, Carrie Bradshaw has been taking part in. Yeah, so, no, no, Joey... Joey is... Uh... Yeah, Joey's Carrie Bradshaw. Flat cap. Oh. Oh, I got mixed up. <laughs> okay. No, Toby. <laughs> I thought Toby... Who's... Which one's it? For fuck's okay. sake. <sighs> because you didn't already hear this already. Previously on Horror Court Trash Over. So, Joey works in the diner, has a flat cap, and he's Carrie Bradshaw. Because he gets hit on by a guy that fucks him over and takes him back when he comes back to him. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So Toby's the drag queen. Okay. And yeah. and uh, Miranda. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm getting. Okay, I'm getting my characters mixed up. I'm sorry. Chaz is the slutty one. Samantha. You know, if you, if you go into you know cast for beefy, constantly topless white guys, <laughs> I'm gonna get mixed up. I'm so sorry. Um. Or or with you know. Very similar haircuts, apart yeah. from one. Um, but yeah. So Joey is made to take part in the performance. Yeah. And so he's um, strapped down on a mm-hmm. table and there's some glitter, blood, chainsaw shenanigans going on. And that's it, really. Yeah, it's such a carry thing to do. Like, he has to be centre of attention. <laughs> no, he was forced to. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't really, uh, he wasn't really putting up a fight, was he? And he did go around to everyone after, like, oh, my God, did you see me? Did you see me? He did it. <laughs> so, whilst he's trying to get his attention, Jake wants to go to the arcade. But, um, Carrie Bradshaw has other ideas. Stop. You're only going to confuse me more. <laughs> so, Jerry has other ideas, because he sees the guy there that he set out to uh, get his number on that night. It's yeah. this guy from school that he has a crush on. Yeah, the refrigerator was some sort of jock, don't they? Yeah. And he's well, he's not topless, but he's wearing like one of those uh, American football jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's sort of um, almost a crop top. It, it pretty much is. Yeah. Again, perfect for Halloween. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's being Glenn from Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> so... Chaz and uh, and Joey decide to stay at uh, at Meat Locker. Eddie and Jake go alone to the uh, the arcade, and Joey introduces himself to this guy that he fancies, and uh, he says he's seen him before at a party, and he's like, "Oh yeah, the one with the swans and the porn stars." What party <laughs> was this? Were you not there? He basically gets laughed at. Um, yeah. Because he has a fucking business card of his phone number I'm ready to give to him. It's the, the guy he's got a crush on, the jock. It's his two bitchy friends. Yeah. Um, who have just sort of had enough and they don't want to be there. Mm. What, a, what a terrible party. <laughs> um, essentially. So yeah, so he gets left at. Uh, Chaz takes him to the toilets, um, comforts him a bit and waits outside for him. Uh, and he takes a pill. He eyes up another guy and follows him. But then Devil Daddy arrives. Yeah, so conveniently, Joey needs to go throw up in the toilet and Chaz chucks out two kinky snogging guys. They have a very mild heart-to-heart, very, very mild yeah. one. <laughs> um, I don't know why people needed to leave the bathroom so they could have this. <laughs> they didn't really go anywhere. No. Um, 
Yeah, so then Chaz pulls, basically. I think he takes an ecstasy, I'm assuming yeah. an ecstasy tablet, and leaves Joey by himself. And Devil Daddy was in one of the cubicles all along. He was. Just waiting for one of our um, protagonists, well, victims, to uh, be left alone in the toilet conveniently. Yeah, before he can, uh, before he can kill him, he gets a, uh, Joey gets a fake jump scare from his crush... Who gives him his number and oh, kisses yeah. him. And because Joey is Carrie Bradshaw, he's absolutely fine with that, despite being fucked over five minutes ago. So they arrange to meet tomorrow after his crush has had breakfast. Good luck with that. Um, but his crush leaves and Devil Daddy puts a bag on Joey's head and decapitates him. Yeah. So that's one down. And uh, that's one down. Da- <laughs> that's the most annoying one down, too. Yeah. Uh, how does his body get discovered? So, <laughs> a, a pair of uh, rather camp men, let's, let's be fair here, uh, enter the cubicle and um, they think Joey's headless body is some form of a joke, don't they? Yeah, but one of them describes the other as a walking hard on. <laughs> yeah, wasn't one of them pretending to be a virgin or something? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they find his body and they have a, a big loud scream. <laughs> a big dramatic scream. Um, so, Toby... Um, Toby is at the bar and trying to chat up this guy who walks away from him. And uh, he says to this, uh, to, this other, to this other drag queen who's there with him, he's like, uh, I want to go for a man for what's up here and not what's down there. And the other drag queen's like, say it, sister. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is which is ironic now because after you, you know the the phenomenon that is RuPaul's Drag Race, yeah. you know if you had a drag queen in the bar, everyone would be everyone after, would be there. Everyone's yeah. after the drag queen now. Literally, we were at a bar with a drag queen who was with us uh, in Leicester, and oh my fucking god, how many times was that person asked for fucking photos? And... Yeah, absolutely swarmed. Yeah, you know. It, that's it's different now it's it's uh, seen differently mm-hmm. within in the gay community which is great i mean they're finally, yeah. getting, they're finally getting you know the recognition that it's i mean you know if i went out dressed that fabulously i'd want someone to notice me but that was the thing and it's the whole mask for mask thing yeah um or no fats femmes or asians mm. um i don't know what this film is saying on that if i'm being honest um it's weird because they're all mask yeah it, it would have been nice to have maybe a little bit of presentation uh a representation of something a little different yeah uh, we can say you know that it's a play on the old slasher film um bikini clad ladies yeah that that's true but if you could have added something yeah. in there, like a positive representation that, you know, against the, the other representation, mm. it, it would have been better. But it does feel like every single gay character you see in this film has six-pack abs. Yeah. The, you know, are white. And, you know... The only reason this one can't get a shag is because he's in drag. Yeah. Because he's, you know, dressed in feminine clothes. Um, it, it It's played on more later as well, mm-hmm. isn't it? So we'll probably talk about it a little later. It, I just... It's difficult because I'm not, I wasn't sure what it was. the film was trying to say with this. Yeah... I think, uh, I think the the mass for mass thing and all that amongst the LGBT community has probably just got worse over the years with uh, obviously the popularity of Grinder and and things like that. I think back then this would have just been what you see within the gay community. It's very very two dimensional. I know. Yeah, but the, also the the two overly camp guys are, you know, jokes really. Yeah. Um. The ones that discovered Joey's body in the cubicle, they're kind of like, um, 
you know, comedic. It's them being camp is comedic. Mm. Which which it is in in a sense, you know, we we all enjoy the camp and camp makes us laugh mostly. Um, I'm just not sure if the joke was with them or on them. Yeah. True, I mean, everyone's used... For comedic value at some point in this film. Even yeah, the even the killers. Oh, and the people in this film make such fucking dumb decisions. Yes. Yeah. Each and every one of them, or all, all the four main character five main characters yeah. make absolutely fucking shit decisions <laughs> throughout the film. So in the uh, in the next scene we're at a shooting range at the uh, what they call the arcade in America. I mean for us it'll just be uh, I don't even know what would you call it. Well, they called it an arcade, a uh, fairground. Yeah, stalls. Because they're always that fairground, so it's hard to know yeah. what these are called. But it, they're at a shooting range, and uh, <laughs> Eddie's trying to shoot, but he just can't hit anything because he's a terrible shot, and this becomes really important later on in the film. Yes. Um, <laughs> and ironically enough, one of the targets at the shooting range is a devil. <gasps> <laughs> So, uh, Chaz is making out with a girl, and uh, the devil finds them, and uh, as they're walking away, Chaz licks his finger and touches the devil's chest and just continues walking. Well, yeah, so whilst Chaz is getting on with the girl, um, Eddie's ridiculed for being frigid yeah. as well, because, you know, he's our final girl. Because he's final girl. Yeah, he's our Laurie Strode. <laughs> so, um... Toby's having pictures taken in front of a model billboard for some reason. It's of him. Oh, was that him? So the the whole idea is that um, Toby is an underwear model who has a billboard in town. Mm. um, But he's dressed as drag for Halloween. Yeah. So this dude is ogling that this billboard, which is Toby... In his underwear, mm-hmm. showing off his big arms and six pack. Toby himself comes along in drag, tries to chat up this guy, yeah, and this guy dismisses him for two, you know, similar six pack abs mm-hmm. guys in their underwear that just walk past. So that's the irony of the scene, yeah. Um, and and also again playing into the. The idea that, you know, men just didn't go for drag queens back no. in 2004. Which was true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By all accounts, was yeah. true. So he has his pictures taken. The devil's watching Chaz in the club. And uh, we get a, a, a prolonged scene of uh, strobe lighting. Uh, which is great because it really disguises where the devil is at points. Because he just comes out of nowhere and absolutely just slices up Chaz in the club. Yeah, no one notices. No one notices. He gets a sickle through the neck. And uh, then the devil actually walks past Toby carrying Chaz's head. <laughs> Toby follows him to an alleyway and then he starts just going crazy at him, basically. Yeah, so t- t- because Toby's the only guy that's actually drank in this film, Yeah. even though they all said how pissed they were going to get, um, he has to go throw up in a bin. He's like Britney Spears after a sip of wine, isn't he? Yeah. Crossroads. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's had too many flaming penises. Yeah, um, and then Devil Daddy walks past holding um, Chaz's head. Um, so Toby, you know, is trying to pull still. He says, "My girly costume isn't turning <laughs> any heads," and then starts acting really desperate. Yeah, throws his idea. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, so he's he's he starts like he takes off his drag. takes off his wig, takes off the earrings, pulls down his dress to show, oi, I'm a masculine man. You gotta fancy me now. Mm-hmm. Throws his ID and gives Devil Daddy his address because he's fucking stupid. <laughs> This is definitely a commentary so, on people in horror oh, films. Oh, and so fucking insecure as well, <laughs> clearly. Um, so that devil daddy then decides, because he's not a drag because he's now masculine, Yeah. he decides, yeah, okay, I will kill you now. Yeah. <laughs> he's he like, oh, I'm never doing drag again. And he's decapitated. <laughs> yeah. 
The police corner off the club. Uh, Jake goes into the car park to get his bike. So the the police. So there is a crime scene tape there. Yeah. Jake is told that the club is a crime scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie. Who actually works for the police. Who works with the police. <laughs> who has seen photos of the original crime scene. Yeah. Who decided to tell everyone about these original crimes. Very interested in them. For, for pure, you know, um, weird pleasure. I don't think he wants to solve it. I think he was just telling everyone because it was a juicy story. Knows that this is now a crime scene, but doesn't feel the need to go investigate or talk to any of the police. (laughs) So at this point... He knows his friends are missing as well. Yeah, so he can't find his friends. There's a crime scene, (laughs) yet he chooses to ignore this. Yeah. Uh, Jake wants to get his bike, though, Mm -hmm. so he hops the fence... They're stuck either side of the fence and Devil Daddy um, attacks Eddie. Yeah, chases him. And then this is when we get the uh, the artwork of the DVD. He gets uh, the sickle to the eye, but Eddie has a glass eye. So this is actually quite cringe-inducing, this scene. I don't like paint to the eye. Yeah, and, and a little scrape. Yeah, the sound effects and everything's great in this. I mean, uh, you know, as we've already mentioned, it, this film does have some great special effects. Um, but even the sound design and everything on this scene is fantastic. I'm not surprised they use it for the artwork. Um, it is a really, really good scene. Um, but Devil Daddy, I, I don't think he can figure out what's happening at this point. So he just walks away, leaves him there. Um, and then... Uh, well, the police come along. The police they? come along. The police take come him along. to the police station. Eddie doesn't want it to be called a homophobic attack because he thinks it would ruin him. Yeah. That I'm a little confused by. Yeah, he's clearly not in the closet. Yeah, that's why they asked him to hand out those flyers yeah. in, in West Hollywood, the yeah. gay district. Um. So I don't understand... I don't know if he thinks it'll make him... Well, I suppose he could think it'll make him more weak because he's already got his eye problem and he can't shoot and everything. Yeah, so that's true. If they think he's being attacked by a homophobic serial killer, then, you know, it's not really going to do him much better, is it? So, okay. I'm just going to reiterate what I was saying before because we, we just had more development. <laughs> Eddie has been attacked by Devil Daddy. Mm-hmm. A person they'd seen him and his friends had seen earlier. He can't locate his friends. <laughs> the club they were at is now a crime scene. <laughs> He's been to the police station, the police station that he works at, that he he knows the people there. And he's helped in a very, very tiny way yeah. to investigate a gay couple that were killed yeah near the area where they have been celebrating halloween that evening yeah eddie is unaware <laughs> crazily enough <laughs> completely unaware that his friends are probably fucking dead and yes the bodies don't have their heads <laughs> But if the police had shown him yeah. the photos from the crime scene or described the outfits because they were very distinct outfits because it's fucking Halloween, mm-hmm. then he would have known his friends are fucking dead. <laughs> but no, no. He thinks they're probably waiting somewhere or off having fun somewhere. And they've pulled... Oh, thick bastard. <laughs> yeah, but he's got other things on his mind because he's about to get some Jake dick. Well, he is. <laughs> he doesn't care about his friends now. Fuck them. Fucking stupid. So he's probably forgot they exist. Probably. So uh, they go back to uh, they go back to Eddie's place and uh, Eddie finds blood on Jake's T-shirt. Now, what's interesting here is within the next five minutes, there's, you know, there's, there's bits of... Um, red herrings around both Jake and Eddie to make you think, okay, which one is it? You know, there's, there's something there with the both of them. They both act a little suspicious. 
What makes this so interesting is the fact we never find out who the killer is. And it obviously can't be either of them because of what happens next, but, but we it never find out. No. See, I, I think this is stupid because we know it's neither of those. Yeah, but I mean, it could be Eddie. How, well, I mean, not Eddie, sorry. It could be Jake. Or it couldn't it be Jake? Because Jake was there, the other side of the fence, when Eddie was attacked. Oh, he was, yeah, true. True. And and also, Devil Daddy's very tall. Yeah. Um, with, with a distinct beard. Yeah. Which makes these red hair. Which we don't see the beard till the end, though, do we? No, no. We don't see him in pure light until but the end. It, it, it can't be either of those. Mm. So it, it's not... It, in the sense, it's not a classic slasher whodunit. No. Um... It's 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 a bit like I I feel like maybe they wanted Devil Daddy to become the next Jason yeah or or Freddy or Michael mm-hmm. where th- there is no mystery in, in who the killer is it's this crazy guy in a devil mask yeah um which makes the weird red herrings at the end make no sense mm. um yeah because they do play off like red herrings though, don't they like you know. You feel like yeah. I I feel like if they don't if they when they were filming the film mm. if they weren't really sure what they were doing with the film. And it was all filmed out of sync, yeah, out of order. Then they probably put these red herrings in, and then halfway through, decided actually we're not gonna have a big reveal. Yeah, maybe it could be because if Eddie finds blood on Jake's T-shirt, then they share a cigarette and they start getting it on. But then Eddie has to hide something, um, and then Jake finds Toby's ID. Yeah, with blood on it. With blood on it, and yeah. decides not to say anything. Yeah. So something that we didn't realize during the film is that these all actually, the four friends live together. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know. I don't know why Devil Daddy knew this. Well, that's the mystery behind this character because, I mean, we don't know who he is. We don't know his connection yeah, to him. So but when when Toby, he could have been stalking him. I'm assuming the whole idea is that when Toby gave his address mm. to Devil he went, Daddy, yeah, that's, that's true, when yeah. he went to the yeah. address. And that's why his ID was there. Yeah. So I hate to overanalyze. No, it, but that's true. No, but it, it, it takes you out of yeah. I think the conclusion of this film is my least favourite part because there's some inconsistencies and and also I think it goes on for far too long. Mm. Um, I'd rather have seen more of the rest of the film Yeah. than, than this part at the end. Well, Jake handcuffs Eddie to the bed and uh, goes to grab the condoms but the devil, uh, devil daddy, is in the shower and he lifts Jake up by a sickle. So, which is a very cool scene. It's very much... Uh, Halloween 2. You can tell the executive producer. <laughs> it's the, the nurse. You can tell. The, the, nurse, <laughs> uh, the nurse scene. <laughs> Halloween 2. Um, so yeah, he lifts him up by the sickle. And then he approaches Eddie. Uh, but Jake is still alive and knocks him out. Eddie goes to call the police. But the phone line's been pulled out. He grabs a knife. Uh, he makes a lot of noise getting this knife. But then panics once a load of cutlery falls over. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He makes so much noise trying to find this knife, <laughs> knocks some knives and, and shit over, yeah. and then that's when he's like, oh my god, <laughs> he's coming to get me. He, he, uh, he finds all of his friends' heads and remembers they exist. As <laughs> uh, a scrap with Devil Daddy, and uh, Devil Daddy shoves a sickle through the door, missing his head. Uh, he grabs a gun whilst he has another scrap with Devil Daddy, and uh, they go out onto... Is balcony stairs? American a bit, like uh, apartment a fire house. exit. Yeah. I think it's a fire exit. Like outdoor stairs. Yeah. Um, so Devil Daddy knocks the gun out of his hand and actually pulls his fake eye out. And uh, he pushes him over the balcony stairs, fire exit thing. He's holding on for dear life. Eddie grabs the well, gun. He gets caught by the handcuff. He does, he? he does. He's dangling by the handcuff. And uh, he grabs the gun. And because he's such a terrible shot, we expect him to miss. But no, he gets him. He shoots Devil Daddy down, doesn't he? That's his second shot. Was it? Who does his first shot hit? Oh, yeah, and that's true. He shoots Jake first. <laughs> he accidentally shoots Jake <laughs> first. 
first. And then he shoots Devil Daddy. <laughs> and then he manages to get Devil Daddy right through the, uh, the forehead. They, uh, they, have a, they have a kiss, Jake and Eddie. Uh, police and the ambulances arrive. They take Jake away to hospital. But we find out then that Devil Daddy is still alive. And he has, uh, he has Eddie's eye in his mouth. Yes, yeah. And that's the end of the film. We get the theme song again. I kind of... So, at the end, it's revealed that Devil Daddy has the beard. Yeah. Do you think Devil Daddy could have been the porno di Giorno singer? Maybe. But wasn't he there whilst he was singing? Oh, no, no, it was a different scene, weren't it? Yeah. Maybe... I like, I, I don't know, sometimes I like it when it's left open. I mean, that's why I love Black Christmas so much, you know, it's left so wide open, the original. Well, sometimes it's the, the scariest thing is, you know, when they have no motive. Yeah, and we went, we went over this in the Fright Night episode. You don't need backstory to make a good film. Yeah. This, this has absolutely no backstory. His name's fucking Devil Daddy. You know, he's just a guy with a sickle going around killing people. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, it was like what people say about uh, Michael Myers. The moment mm. you knew that Laurie was his sister, he wasn't as scary. Mm. It wasn't just some deranged person. Yeah. It was a very specific target. Um, you know, what something that scares me, and, and I, I watch sort of true crime mm. uh, videos and, and documentaries and stuff, what scares me is those seemingly normal people who completely lose it mm. and uh, attack anyone and everyone. Yeah. You know, that's what scares me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I love bringing up this fact, but you are more likely to be killed by someone you know. Yeah. Um, but the scariest thing is you're just walking down the street, you're just going to the carnival and somebody's after you. Yeah, that's well, scary. Well, that's why Michael Myers became scary again in the uh, last sequel, because they removed the whole Laurie being a sister thing. He's just a random guy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so I think I'm glad they did that with, with Halben. I really am. I, you know, it, it just makes it simple. And it's all it needs to be. Yeah. So I, I genuinely think it's a fantastic slasher film. I, I enjoyed it so much more than I thought I would. Yeah, yeah, it's it, fun. It's so entertaining. It's a product of its time. Mm. Um, you know, 16 years is a long time. Yeah. I like to think that we've come a long way in terms of representation yeah. and how gay men are represented on film. Yeah. I would like to think that if this was made now, it would be a different film, but still just as fun. Yeah, I you think know? so. I think so. I mean, for its time, though, this is good representation. I mean, compare it to a lot of other films that include any sort of LGBT representation. Um, it's always mostly the killer. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, a fully gay slasher film. Yeah. That's groundbreaking in a sense. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. No. That was, you know, consciously gay. Let's face it, we haven't seen anything like that since. No, no. It's not, you know... In a lot of horror, all the gay elements... Elements? Elements? Elements are subtext. Yeah, Yeah, this Um, just didn't care. This this is just in your face, bold, brash, you know, Mm -hmm. balls to the wall, horror comedy. Yeah. You know, and it was a fun time. It was. And it's it's currently on Amazon for like three pound fifty or something like that. If you're in the UK, I'm sure you probably get it in the US as well. But yeah, if you're in the UK, I highly recommend getting it. It, it is really good, really worth a watch. It, but for both private and for Halloween, you know, it, yeah. it it really is a great film. So that's how Ben, and officially next week we officially turn fifty weeks old. Ooh. Well. I mean, we've had some double episodes and stuff, but it's our 50th episode next week, <laughs> which is crazy. And to celebrate the occasion, what do we have? We are discussing John Waters' masterpiece, Polyester. Yes. Now, what's special about this is that we own the Criterion Blu-ray. 
mm-hmm. which comes with the odorama card. So as we watch, we'll be scratching and sniffing our way through the film. Yes. And I'm super duper excited. I've been waiting so long to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's going to be so much fun. And it's, oh, it's such a great film. Such a great you film. You will get plenty of in-depth descriptions about what we smell. <laughs> yes, yes. It's a shame. I mean, we, we can't, you know, we can't distribute Odorama cards for the episode. But, you know, you get us describing it. Yeah. <laughs> next best thing. So, yeah. So, join us for that next week. Uh, as always, if you're listening on iTunes, rate, review and subscribe. Like and follow on Epic House. Uh, talk to us about Hellbent. If anyone's seen it, if anyone hasn't seen it, have a chat with us about it. We're on Horror Court Trash over Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Let us know, you know, where you would like to see gay horror go yeah. now. Yeah. You know, it doesn't always have to be vampires. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. Um, so I am Gaz 92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd, Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.